podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. This is The Whistleblowers, and I'm Martin Gritton, here to give the weekend's football the respect it deserves. Unlike poor millionaire 22-year-old Luke Shaw and the trials that Old Trafford must bring. More of that in a bit. Uh, first, our wonderful guest, a debut for a fine football writer who you can find at The Guardian, ESPN, Independent, amongst others. Uh, it's Nick Miller. Hi, Nick. Hello, Martin. How are you? Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Um, uh, our second guest uh, needs little introduction as he's become a regular fixture, the wonderful Mark Smith. Yeah, I'm just not busy, man, so I can just do it, <laughs> just do it whenever. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both on. It's lovely to be here, Martin. Thank you for having me. I wouldn't want to anyone to think that I'm organised enough to get two men from the East Midlands on at the same time let alone right. two rivals the uh, grudge the grudge podcast and that's not that's not what I'm about Mike. it's all about you know it's it's all about everyone getting on yeah. uh, Nick uh, being a Forest fan and Mark being a Derby fan we'll, mm. we'll come on to that later on um, uh, perhaps uh, starting with uh, my point being about Luke Shaw Let's go into United and, and see how long we, we stay on yeah. on Jose. Being someone that's been around the club, Mark, yeah. in terms of the players' mood, do you have a sense anything amongst the players about kind of how they... Uh, I, I suppose your work with them is different than, than than kind of knowing what goes on in Mourinho. But at the same time, it seems like a, you know, they seem like a fun bunch. <laughs> yeah, they are a fun bunch, yeah. You've got to remember, I see them on media days yes. with the main sponsor through uh, Chevrolet FC. Check it out online. Yeah. Um, now, when they come to us, they're, they're in good spirits. They're doing stuff yeah, yeah. for media. You know, it's one of those things. You, you, don't, you don't get a sense of what's going on behind the scenes. Talk to people around the club, it's, it's slightly different. Um, yeah. you, you get a sense that maybe things aren't ideal. But I also think that during this whole thing, uh, we've, got, we've got a manager in Mourinho... We, I mean, as in, I don't mean United, I mean yes. we as in football fans. There's a manager there in Mourinho who has annoyed so many people over the years that when the chips are down, it's a good opportunity now for people to stick the knife in. And so I'm not saying the Luke Shaw story doesn't exist, or I'm not denigrating that story, mm. but I am saying that this is an opportunity for people to really go for Mourinho and say, how dare he do X, Y, and Z to, you know, England International, I, uh, probably our, our, our best left back for England, potentially. Which, I'll I, I go back to my point, I mean, I, I have little sympathy, not necessarily for Luke Shaw, but people in situations on the pitch, I got dragged at halftime. Paul Sturrock brought me on and took me off and then <laughs> did it with a smile on his face because he, he took great enjoyment in the fact that I was really pissed off, you know, but again, but at the same time, that's, it's ways of motivating players and it's happened. I mean, Mourinho's, Nick, Mourinho's motivated players in various ways over the years, hasn't he? Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, the thing is about Shaw is that he's trying to motivate him by, with the, you know, by the treating him mean thing. Yeah, yeah. And from... So there's a bit in that slightly weird Pochettino book that was out last year that was kind of <laughs> sort of by him, but sort of not by him and sort of by other people, but sort of not by other people. Yeah. But there was a bit in that book where Luke Shaw talked about how Pochettino was the greatest guy in the world. And it seemed to be because he, he was the kind of arm around the shoulder guy. He, in fact, I sp- earlier on today for, a, for an article I'm writing, I spoke to Jason Dodd, who was the was uh, Shaw's youth coach at Southampton. Yeah, and he was he, a great player as well. Yeah, he? yeah. And he, he said, "What one of the things he said was he did 
sure did need occasionally need to cook up the arse but he also needed in his words a little cuddle too yeah, yeah. so i think the more the issue is that Mourinho has seems to have misjudged how to manage yeah, yeah. sure rather than you know has he ever put his, has he ever put his arm around anyone i don't know so i've well, got a theory to- on this i've definitely got a theory on this sorry to jump in there nick the Jose that I remember from his first spell at Chelsea was someone who, at the end of games, would, would have his arm round Terry, yeah, yes. Lampard, Drogba. He was, he was one of the guys. Uh, yes. And he would run through a brick wall for that guy. Yeah. And I have a theory on this. There's that video of, I don't know if you've seen it, of uh, Marco Materazzi when he was at Inter Milan with Jose and they're saying a farewell. So um, after, after the, the Champions League final in 2010. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And yeah. they're in the tunnel and they leave and, and Jose's in, in bits. Yeah. And he's so uh, upset that he's you know, leaving behind this club, whatever. And my theory is that he, he was getting close enough to players that he was hurting. He was emotionally damaged from when they had to take their separate ways, when they had to part company. And I think after that, he decided, you know what? It's too much for me mentally. No, no longer will I do that. I'm going to have a barrier now between me and the players. And since then, there's not been a player he's had at, at Real or wherever where he has put his arm around a player, where he has had a, a relationship with someone. No, yeah, I, I, that's really interesting. I had never thought of it like that. I think also there's an element of those players have this iconic status. Like I, I think if you're around them and like kind of there's something about Drogba, like a talismanic figure like that, or, or even Terry, yeah, you know, yeah, but Matarazzi, certainly these guys that kind of, you know, that you remember them for being at the very top of the game. Uh, you talk about the Champions League final, you talk about guys, uh, the modern football thing that seems to almost irk Mourinho, and there's a lot of modern footballers like in it. And, 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 yeah, I was just about to say. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'd ask you, what, you know, is it because, do you think he's just become soured to things and it's a kind of real, he's created a, you know, a me against the world thing? Yeah, possibly. It is uh, the, the, the psychology of those me against the world things do, it fascinates me because. Mm. This guy who has managed, you know, the two biggest clubs in the world, and he still feels the need to try and get, you know, give the impression that everyone's against him, and you know, he hasn't got. Oh, we need to spend more money on players and all this kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I think it's it's partly a consequence of of that, and it's partly a consequence of as you were saying before. He was he has been so kind of corrosive for so long. It's, it's you, you could say it's kind of it's sort of kind of eaten eaten him up. Yeah, this you know ten years however however long he's, he's gone. Darth around. Vader, full he Darth has, Vader. Yeah. It's just more machine than man, isn't he? Just bitter, <laughs> <Anakin> twisted. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I, I think that that's the sad thing. And you look, we can't, the most important thing. They won the game. They're in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Yeah. Well, Paul Scholes said it after the game against Brighton that he feels like Mourinho's post-match comments were the wrong way round from Sevilla to Brighton where he should have hammered them after the severe game. Now, I, I'm on... I mean, we've had the 12-minute rant of Mourinho plus the part two. <laughs> I mean, it's mm. crazy. But I am... I do understand what Mourinho is saying, that the, the club in the last five, six years, whatever, have... They have had a record of going out at this stage of the competition. It's fine. Yeah. But that's not the issue people have got with it. People, the issue people have got is the, the way in which they went out. No one minds. People lose games. It's fine. Teams lose games. It can happen. But to go out to Sevilla, who are a team that no one else is, is fearing now mm. for the rest of this tournament, to go out in that way, that is not, and I hate saying this, but that is not sort of the United way. No, right? it is not the way they play football historically. That's the issue. But he can't, I feel like he, he is so stubborn that he just wants to play his way and essentially play a power game with the media and with us guys 
but also with his own players, with but his own from, team. It seems a like a strange mentality. From a tactical point of view, even just from knowing how good those players are, just I look at them and I go, that's not the way they want to play. It's not like a Chelsea team where you go, I see what he's done there. He's Imagine built, those he's players. He's built that unbeatable. Yeah, those guys. Are, with, 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 with Klopp or Pochettino or, yeah. or, or, or Pep or any one of the top six managers, even you know, Wenger would kill with those players. It could be, it's a consequence of the... Again, coming back to the us against the world mentality, that's the mentality that you have when you are actually a small team yeah. and your players are no good and yeah. you're playing, you know, you, 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 if you, when, you're, when you're Porto going to Manchester United in 2004, 3, 4, yeah. whenever it was, that's when that mentality is appropriate. And dare I say, a Chelsea? I mean, because Chelsea, to listen, as, yeah. yeah, as a club, it's not got the, it hasn't got the grandeur of United, and, and they, you guys are Chelsea fan, they probably enjoyed the fact that they mm. could create that. We, no one likes us, we don't care because they were winning, and and that's mm. really important to you know, yeah, it's important to Mourinho. Then that mentality would have worked for Sevilla in that tie. You yes, know, the, the strong underdogs, and that makes sense. But I also think one of the reasons that people get annoyed is the timing. But and some of the stuff he's saying, he's you know he's got a point. But some of it is just painted nonsense. Like the bit about he was saying about well, you know, half these Sevilla players are getting into the United team. No, <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, they it's wouldn't. just not. It's not true. You, you, might, if, you might have. A, you might not have on a good day them. a couple of players. Yeah. Maybe get yeah. near. And if if these if Sevilla was so stuffed with players that would walk into the United team, why don't you buy them in the summer exactly. or yeah. in January? Well, his argument to that was if he mentions a player, then the agents nonstop call him for uh-huh. the next six weeks. But you know, I'm not really sure I buy that. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, they move on to a game that's probably not particularly very nice for them in the FA Cup. The fact that they're going back to Spurs at Wembley, where mm-hmm. they got an absolute dressing down by them. So, I mean, it's not going to... Out of all the FA Cup fixtures this weekend, the most interesting one I thought was the fact that Southampton, I even forgot that they were there. I'd like <laughs> yeah. quarter, I think we all forgot the quarterfinals. Southampton having the most dreadful season ever. But you all will of again a sudden, in the semis, you'll forget that they're there well, in three weeks' time. But, but if you can get up for a semi, I mean, you know, whoop. <laughs> not that sort of podcast, Chris. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Let's uh, <laughs> keep, it, let's keep Hughes, it above the belt, mate. Hughes, <laughs> I, I love the, the one of the best things about the fact that when Hughes went there was getting to see some of his volleys for them. How unbelievable. Yeah. Forget how good he was. You literally, I remember, I think when I was a kid, went to watch Argyle versus Chelsea and Hullet had just gone there. Hullet was playing himself sweeper and they had Mark Hughes up front and I was just like, these guys are, it was just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, Hughes is just like, he's got legs like a snooker table, do you know what I mean? He just kind of kicks a ball and it stays hit. He's, he's one of those players that would have, I'd argue, one of the best YouTube highlights reels yeah. of Premier League number nine. Very I mean, watchable. Just, yeah, it's unbelievable. So many of his shots, off, like the Yoboa shots, yeah. on the side of the crossbar, pinging around. Love that. Love Mark Hughes. He's also the kind of guy that you can, he, he probably can still do all that. He'll probably still do yeah. it in training. In that fact, training. There's a, there's a clip, yeah, yes. when, he was at, was it, when he was at City. City. Yeah, yeah, just these well, but it was like it, it was like a, a horrible it was coming the first time it wasn't like kind of a, t- a little dolly yeah, up yeah, it yeah. was like a really difficult volley he seems has that timing that kind of but this is the timing. problem with Southampton is that he's the best finisher at the club still <laughs> right <laughs> yes. that's, that's the issue they've yeah. got is that would you rather have Gabbiadini or him on the end of a chance and you Take the gaffer. Yeah, and I, I mean, listen, the, the, that's the beauty, and I'm not going to go down the kind of romance of the cup nonsense. I'm, I'd say the beauty of the cup is the fact that you can separate your form for that one-off yeah. match, and you can go, well, the next chances is getting in the cup final. Absolutely. And for Southampton, I, when was the last time in the cup? I, I have not followed the coverage enough to... When was the last time in the final? The league cup, cup final? final last season. They got, in, they got into the FA Cup final in 2003, I think it was. Yeah. Arsenal beat them. 
2000 years around them. Yeah, that's why he's here. So we, that's I, can't, it. I can't get that sort of uh, insight. Good knowledge. Well, uh, just a note for my sponsors. We're back by uh, Lab Bricks this season. Uh, if you want to check out bet.thewhistleblowers.net or betwhistleblowers.net, sorry, for offers, exclusive specials and promotions, I'm sure we'll have some odds on the FA Cup there. So please do go and check it out. Um, the other games this weekend, the Premier League ones were a little bit less enthusiastic a little it was pretty dry except for perhaps one of the i I go as far as say one of the best performances in a premier league game from a from a striker for in a kind of stats view but also just kind of watching him and like he was irresistible for him mosala um calling him a striker we get into some quite dry tactical discussion yeah we we could do shall we (laughs) um well uh, i mean you can you know (laughs) <laughs> He's not a striker, Grits. I'm going to go, you're a striker. You're an old school striker. Well, that's the th- and someone, I, I read it again today, is Firmino. He's a, he's, I mean, he's the best of the nine plus, uh, nine and a half. Nine and a half. I yeah. just does my nut in it. And like, I don't quite get, is that because he's, is that if you're number nine and you're good, like you're handy with, uh, like you're not Alan Shearer and you're just kind of focused on this. You're good at kind of, the number 10 job as well. Is mm. that the nine and a half? I yeah. might be really stupid here. Sorry, Nick. It, yeah, it's... A, Enlighten me. I think mean, nine and a half is uh, what people say when they don't want to say false nine. Got you. I think. Right. It's and just false nine, of, though. Even then, I think I just kind of have this kind of mute that I just stop reading because it just anchors me so much. Mm. Is this just because of your background? As I was the number nine. Right? Uh, yeah. I was obsessed yeah, about getting the number nine. And then, yeah, I, well, not about the, I, when I see Firmino, I think... I think he's phenomenal. I love watching him play and I love the fact he's developing into, you know, when you see players that get better and better and better, the more you watch them. And I think he's one of them that kind of, uh, is not just found his feet, but um, brings people into the game. And so uh, that I love the, uh, I love the assist to him, you know, mm, not just yeah. his finish, but just that kind of, the understanding, the fact they've seamlessly gone, not having Coutinho, don't get me wrong, when Coutinho was there, they were phenomenal as a three. But Mane can just kind of dip in and out, and he's a great player as well. Well, I think they lost probably their third best player with Coutinho. I, I would I would rate Salah higher, and I'd rate in the same position Mane. No. Uh, well, no, at the time as well. I don't really? think Coutinho is... I, I, I'm a big fan of him as a player, but I don't think he's... And it's been proven. He doesn't seem to be a, as big a loss as we thought he might. Yeah, true. Um mm. He was a slightly kind of awkward fit in the the system that they played as well. If they're playing four three three, I know we are now wandering down into the tactical discussion that I said I would want to know. No, let's do but it. He were, he wasn't quite uh, sort of maybe dynamic enough to play in the same role that Mane does, and he wasn't yeah. a midfielder. So he in in the right system, he's obviously a phenomenal player. But yeah, um, within this current Liverpool team, he was a he was brilliant, but a slightly awkward fit. Yeah, absolutely agree. So uh, I mean, and they would probably have the people behind them, and they're saying, you know, in terms of form and looking at that second spot. I mean, how much does that matter now? I mean, is it just a case of getting in the top four for teams? I mean, obviously, the kudos of getting second place for Klopp might mean something, but I don't know. I, what's the value in it? I don't know. Maybe this season there's, there is maybe a slightly more curious in it because City are so far ahead of everyone else. Being the kind of best of the rest does sound like sound yep. a bit like a sort of you know consolation prize. But makes sense. It, that. You know, it's its own league. That's now, the real league. Yeah, yeah that's the <laughs> yeah. real quiz. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that. I mean, we're talking about Mourinho there at the top of the show, and just how difficult, let's say, it's been for him. And how great Klopp has been for Liverpool and got them playing this certain way. But let's not forget that until the weekend, Mourinho was five points clear of Klopp. Mm. 
and still two points clear with the game in hand. So it's it's very tempting to talk about the attacking prowess of a team and say that equates a good season. But we know it doesn't. I mean, look at Newcastle in the mid-90s. We, yeah. we know it doesn't do a lot. It's great to watch. It's the romance, yeah. yeah of course it's a romance. But you can win like that. You can win positive, and we've seen that. And, and it's almost the ability to kind of go, well... I'll risk and I'll, I'll invest something in risking something that we all kind of can relate to and Absolutely. go, well, I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing someone kind of go, well, I'll speculate. Because in all honesty, I mean, the, the irony is United's defence is pretty is pretty shaky. You know, ba- Bailey's... Uh, you know, but statistically, uh, it's it's one of the best in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just, you know, and I would say De Gea has a big part to play in that. Yeah. I, I just think that the, um, if he got that right, perhaps that's the foundations you build up a slightly more entertaining team on yeah because Matic is I, I, and Matic is a great player and he's kind of he's really flourished in that role yeah and it's this kind of this sort of an intangible thing about when you're at the ground I've been to this season I've been to United five six times and in none of those occasions has has it seemed like the crowd's been involved or invested in this which obviously Mourinho That's has complained about thing United, a lot isn't it? Yeah. I mean you, you've been to Liverpool I've, I haven't been to Liverpool this season for for whatever reason. You, you'll have been there quite a lot. Do you get the sense there oh, that people totally. are more enthusiastic about yeah, it? Yeah, and, and you even know that it's, it's the same as United in, in some respects. Uh, when I went back there, I used to live in Manchester back when I was playing for Mac and go to the games and the, and the European Champion Nights, uh, Champions League Nights, uh, the energy around, even though the stadium's half full of people that are kind of Man United tourists that have come yeah, yeah. over. That's great though. It's like, you know, it's money for the club, but it's the same at Liverpool now, but they, they, they buy into it and it's just such, the energy, it fizzes around the, you know, yeah. the stadium. It's really, it's, it's great. There's to a lot be to be said for, for a buzz around a club yeah, like, there not, is. it's hard to get that and when you get it you've got to maintain it it's a difficult thing to do and Klopp's managed to do it since really since he came in he's had shaky he's had shaky months and he's had a tough time with his defence but he's always had this positivity about going forward and, and scoring more than the opposition and, and that is it's fun to watch however I do think it leads to us um, going a bit over the top with Liverpool this talk about Salah unbelievable season but I mean this this week who was it who mentioned him in the same breath as as Messi, I think it was someone asked Klopp in the. Was it Klopp? Um, well, it was some. I think a journalist in the post match press conference said, "Hey, he's as he scored now scored more goals than Messi, or he's, he's yeah. whatever it is." But to yeah. me, that's that's mad. To... It's it's, yeah, it's completely pointless. but you can the comparisons come from his diminutive, he, the way he throws the ball in the box, his gait is similar. Yeah, the way but the way he takes that extra touch and looks calmer. You know, it looks like he slowed everything down yeah. in his own head, but everyone else is frantically. But he's got to do it for more than. Oh, no. for and absolutely, absolutely. Bit, I just think it is. It is. Yeah, it's, it is pointless to to do that. But it is tempting to get carried away with it. Well, yeah. It is exciting to be around at the moment. Yeah, he's, it's, and he's enjoyable to watch, yeah. isn't it? And you kind of forget he's tallied up. You know, he's not far behind. What was it, Torres? It was Torres that scored more than him in the Premier League. I, I can't remember exactly the, Ronaldo, the statistics, but forty two in all competitions, and Salah's on thirty six now. 36, That's incredible! Incredible. <laughs> What's the most you scored in the season, Grits? Well, that's not. I used to bring people into the game, you know. So uh, sixteen, <laughs> but I actually was top scorer at Turkey at the time. So we were, you know. Does that include penalties? I didn't take penalties. <laughs> I was livid about that. That's not. I don't want to discuss that now. Is that so? Point throughout your career as <laughs> a whole other podcast. That is a whole. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, um, yeah. As much as I enjoyed penalties, it was um, no. I. I, yeah, I didn't have one of those seasons. I suppose I'd have to go back to university to where I scored as many as as uh, goals. Scored about yeah, goals. Right, okay, yeah, good. thank you. Lovely. Right, well, let's moving swiftly Again, on. The other games that were slightly drier, but 
more um, more important for a lot of the teams down at the bottom end of the table. West Brom have signed. Surely that's that's the end of that. Yeah. And, and Pardew, what next? What for him? Is he a championship manager? Is he the guy you need in the? Is he? Well, so, there seems to be for all the kind of complaining about how British managers don't get jobs, there seems to be this kind of little circle of managers that, no matter what, really, no matter what they do, will always get a job at a certain type of club. So you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, where he'd go, but he he seems to, you know, come out smelling of roses. Whatever happens to him, it's, it's, the whole thing's been a complete mess, and it was kind of, I think, it was quite nicely summed up that he. Um, you know, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? Krikoviak didn't shake his hand when he was substituted, and wow. Pardew yeah. fined him a week's wages for that. Exactly half the amount that he fined the the lads that um, the stole, stole, got leathered, and stole the taxi in yeah. um, in Spain. It's the funny thing. Do you know that if you find someone a league, <laughs> if you get fined a week's wages, which I did on a few occasions, what for? Uh, we'll come back to that. That you can. <laughs> The, the FA have to sanction it, so you have you can write a letter to the FA, and I managed to get it down to usually about half a week's wages <laughs> on occasion. And the manager would get even more annoyed that you'd done that. And it was more; it was not about the money; it was just the fact that you'd gone over his head. Principle, and, yeah. And I literally had this letter. Uh, it was like a stencil or kind of a, just a, just input the different dates into it, and then send it back off and go, uh, yeah. And you, like the FA were just like, that's not because that shaking a hand is not a week's wages. Sorry, sorry. So you had a, a blueprint of every no, time basically you'd have to do template. It. I had a template okay. letter that I could just go. The FA, this worked last time, so you know, like a parking fine. You know, you, you have these. You know, I'm like, I didn't. I, I didn't park in this bay, blah, blah, blah. There's ways, there's ways of phrasing things and okay, the FA like the way anything. I phrase things. Whenever you type anything, I hope no one from the FA is listening to this. It looks like you're writing an apology to the FA, <laughs> well, Martin. It, it, no, it's just from, well, basically, if you get a red card or if you get some sort of, there's also these, when I was playing, there was these suspensions, again, we've gone off on a tangent, but there was interesting ones where you would get done for uh, dissent and the dissent was accumulative. So the first one, you get done 10% of the week's wages, like a yellow card, yeah. even if you're kicking a ball away or whatever. The second one's like 20, then 50. Uh, so like the third booking for dissent. And you can kind of get booked for dissent in the lower leagues quite quickly. For Well, I certainly could. And you could find your way into kind of going, that's quite a significant amount to kind of come out of your wages. So you're going, well, you know, so you had to have a plan. So I generally had uh, a letter that we go off to the FA and the manager be going, what? It's like, what are you, you know. So what could, could you kind of say, kids need no shoes? I can't, I can't <laughs> you, can, you know, well, you can't know be that, fine this I, I did. I did play for a team where uh, one of the players who the appearance money was, say, uh, just 300 quid. Coming on the pitch, 300 quid, decent amount of money. So the manager told us to warm up and then brought me on instead of him. And he was on... 300 quid appearance money he pinned the manager up by the throat and said don't you ever take my food off my kids plate again you can go through my team kids it will take you he was like don't ever take food off my (laughs) his kids ate 300 quid for dinner every night Um, but just that that just kind of underlines it at that level you're like yeah this probably isn't healthy and there's many stories i could probably tell about appearance money and uh (laughs) the relative merits of getting on and off the pitch about it but let's not do that how do we get into this a lot of people have um let's move on from it how do we get into a while ago we were talking about west brom that was it west brom that was you. Let's go back. Well, he's, the he's, ten, he's ten points, isn't he, <laughs> off safety at the moment, and there seems to be no reason to to even think they can 
get near that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Do you think they're a decent squad, Nick? Though I think they've got some good yeah. players. Yeah, I mean, I. I it's a tough of, place to go in the championship. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, it's it, but it's also fragile. There was a, a the, they played Bournemouth at the, the weekend. Yeah, they, they were yeah. one 0 up, and then I think it was Johnny Evans went off injured, and instantly they, everything just kind of seemed to collapse, and they conceded the goal straight away. And you could the the I remember I wasn't there, but the camera cut to Pardew on the sideline, and you almost felt so sorry for him because mm. he was which is a rare. I mean, it takes it's something. It's a rare sentiment, but, but you. you you, he, he just looked lost. He looked like a little boy in who'd lost his mum in the supermarket, and he just didn't like he he didn't know what to do. And presumably he doesn't know what to do because no. he's tried everything that he he can think of. Yeah. It's not working, and you know, it's amazing how quickly it's it's gone down because uh, the, sort of this time last year, maybe a little bit before, everyone you know they were eighth or whatever it was, mm. and you know, th- then there was the kind of the traditional late season Pulis tank and. It's they've barely won a game since. They've won about three or four games since then. Well, let's go into the the, the neighbours, or just up the M6. Um, Stoke, I, I, you know, I know the, a lot of people have said this kind of, well, careful what you wish for, with them both getting rid of managers that knew the clubs very well, that kind of, that, you know, had money and, and, and invested and got the squads that they wanted, give them some time and it would recover. Stoke have kind of gone into that position as well aren't they because they've got, a, they've got, they've got some really good squad. players and we could yeah. say that about any of the bottom eight you know eight or nine clubs there's a lot of, or, or there's a lot of teams that are perhaps better than some of their parts and I think Huddersfield yep. I think we could be talking about them very Brighton soon Brighton as well yeah getting dragged into that but um, but but Stoke getting beat you know Everton that's that's a big Sam you know another hoodwinker he kind of gets he beats the teams he needs to beat doesn't he or he should, you know what I mean? He kind of, yeah. he'll get a point or two. He'll try and, it, the teams above him, he doesn't like them beat him easily. And He's teams, happy to spoil. Yeah. I think that's fair. He spoiled everything for himself really <laughs> last year. So that, that would probably be correct. But no, but in, I mean, in terms of him being shrewd enough to know what it takes to get out of that situation, because yeah. Everton, you know, I mean, the, the players that he's brought in, not just the fact that they've had an impact on the pitch, but, you know, the, that that was a big win for them. And it kind of obviously, under the guise of, uh, under the FA Cup weekend, it probably went a bit under the radar. He was, I can't remember whether it was this weekend or the weekend before, he was merrily taking the, all the credit for Cenk Tosan's good form with the, <laughs> yeah. the revolutionary tactic of easing him in to, <laughs> after, you know, being bought in the last week of the transfer window. But didn't he say within about three days that Tosan, you know, he's... He's done okay in training, but it doesn't mean he'll get a game. And you think, well, how bad was his first day in training then? It's yeah. Big Sam saying that. But actually, yeah, he's turned out to be a pretty a pretty English star number nine, the sort of thing that that, uh, that Big Sam likes. Yeah, yeah, four goals in the last three games, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, he's done, he's yeah, done he's well. Yeah, he's done well. And, and it's one of those ones where you saw, like, you, you saw the sign, you're like, going, is this, like, you know, because we didn't know a lot about him. So it's always good to nice, uh, nice to see them come through. Um, uh, well, listen, more after the break, uh, the team's down, and let's have a little look at the international squads. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back. Uh, I, it's the international break, but at the same time, it's England, so I'm probably not going to talk about them a great deal. I might leave that to you guys. Uh, yeah, please don't. Uh, it's, oh, I, Must you? It's like, a, it's like a champ manager when you're in the 40th season. It's and a it's glitch. Just spawned, it it's like a glitch <laughs> squad that's just churned, and you're like, just get it, you know, get on to the next You know what happens game. to me every, every uh, sort of two years, or certainly every World Cup, so let's say a two or four-year cycle, is I... Um, 
I'm, I've come to terms that we're not going to win it. We know we're not going to win it. So I always think, well, let's, let's just play younger players and do the Germany thing of, of, of sacrificing a World Cup, but blood in some young players. And you think, okay, we've got these good players coming through. We've got Harry Winks, we've got Loftus-Cheek, we've got these guys coming through. And yes, they're injured. But still, you look at that squad and there's nothing inspiring about that squad at all. In fact, there's stuff that actively makes you not want to watch the World Cup at all. You look at Joe Hartson. The t- Southgate said six months ago, we yeah. will not be picking players that don't play for their club. And Adrian's keeping them out of the team. And comfortably. Yeah. When Hart does play, he does that against Burnley. I think, to, without wishing to defend Southgate too much, he, did, he has picked... He always picks more players than uh, he can, he's going to need for these games anyway because he knows there are going to be four or five dropouts. But and four he's picked, keepers? Yeah, well, he's picked four keepers because one of those is probably <laughs> going to drop out. So yeah. I, I, I don't know who... if Even if Hart is um, is not you know, in the West Ham team, who, which is, let's say you're picking four keepers, which, which who would you pick? In, yeah, no, that, that, that's fine. But my, my issue isn't with that. It's with... For these two friendlies, mm. let's not pick four keepers. And instead, let's just... For example, and, and I know you'll um, say this is because I'm a Derby fan, but if you were to pick someone like Will Hughes, who hasn't played as much as he should have done this season due to injury or what, whatever, but it would give you a very clear indication of what Southgate is looking towards. It would give you the indication that had Loftus-Cheek been fit, had Winks been fit, they might feature in this squad. And he'd have a young, dynamic squad that wouldn't win it this year and won't win it next time. But it'll give us a chance to get into a quarter or a semi-final in the next two or three tournaments. That's what I was looking for. And I think, actually, due to the injuries, this squad announcement just it put it in black and white where we actually are. Yeah. And it just made me so deflated for this World Cup coming it's up. pretty dry. And that's oh. coming from a Scotsman. I mean, like, yeah. we Alex McLeish, we wheeled him out for media and Alex McLeish looks just like a zombie. He looks like a dead man walk. I can't believe that. I mean, like, he's aged like a Glaswegian pear. It's like just overnight <laughs> he's become this, I, I don't even know. I'm, it's just depressing. Um, it sums up Scottish football. Uh, but, but, you know, without wanting to dwell on his appearance because that's probably cruel. Uh, the England team, you're right. Well, well, Will Hughes is a point in question. I'm pissed off that he didn't even start for Watford at the weekend. I don't know what he has to do to get a game. Well, he's maybe just he's just, maybe his hammy's fair. not yeah, right. Yeah. But what a player. And, you know, I, I, like I'd seen him at Derby play and, you know, I followed him. I, I, he, you're totally right. He would make a statement. Yeah, uh, Sessignon. Um, Sessignon. Absolutely. Sessignon was my next one. Why is he... We don't have any left-backs. Ashley Young, for my money... It's probably the best performing English left back in the country. Now that says a lot. Wouldn't you rather give Sessignon a, a shot? We're not going to win Absolutely. it. Let's not win it with Sessignon and Hughes. Yeah, uh, uh, I think Hughes is a good point because the, the 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 area of the England squad that is just desperate is cent- central midfield. Yeah, um, you picking Jake Livermore. I mean, Livermore and Henderson might start in the world. I mean, this is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sessignon, I, w- I I would you know I would definitely take a flyer on him. I've seen him a few times and he's brilliant. Yeah, he's not really. I don't think he's left back though. He's, he plays as left back kind of early on in the season. Uh, Fulham signed uh, Matt Target in January and Sassignon's been playing on the left wing. And but if he's, they're playing the three and, yeah. and five, then, yeah. then it, it, it might work. Put Target's a decent squad. player as well. Yeah. Target's like is very, yeah. very solid player and he's kind of allowed Sassignon to... Yes, absolutely. He's a, 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 Freedom. Yeah. Sassignon's a, a, a sort of fairly extraordinary player because he, as, as we were saying, started out as a, as a left back and he's, he's now a, a winger but he, he's not a... He's not a proper a proper winger in the kind of old school sense of it. He he's like a kind of one of these. He's sort of a wide poacher because yeah. he, he he scored a lot of goals 
uh, and he scored quite a few of those goals when he was playing at left back. And they're all sort of goals where he's kind of arrived in the it's box at the right in. time mm. and just there's there's a there's a moment when you when you believe that everything you do is like you're going to score goals like when you're scoring goals and you're, you're in form you just don't think you're ever going to miss so him coming in it's just like he's like I'll the ball will arrive mm. I'll come here and the ball will arrive and it is and, and when you see that it's, it's like Tony Coy did it for years yeah, you know yeah. the strikers like that that I used to just love there's a kind of irresistible inevitability about them getting on the end of something in the box and Sessegnon's got that. There's also that thing with Sessegnon where, and it's getting rarer and rarer, but a wide player who's left-footed on the left mm. who gives you genuine width mm. because the temptation at the moment is to play you know, inverted wingers and Sterling on the right and whatever. I think it would have just been a good sign to see him get in the squad. Same with Will Hughes, same, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just frustrating that we don't seem to have... Uh, progress with this especially given that Southgate is a guy that's managed the under 21 do you think maybe he'll have this the, the mindset of keep players together in the England setup 17s 19s 21s and then first team whether or not they're starting for their club why not give it a go I and mean, nothing else has worked the last 40 years I may as well give it a shot <laughs> I'm slight, I'm I'm not really a, a, an England fan I don't I find it very, very even at tournaments I find it very very difficult to get excited about England but I think they are slightly more interesting particularly up front than or put something more exciting maybe because if the Southgate plays this kind of the system that he looks like he's going to play three at the back three up front potentially got a forward line of Sterling Kane and Marcus Rashford which is yeah or Lingard handy. or Lingard and who's in great form handy. you yeah. could switch it around a bit and maybe play Jamie Vardy there as well yeah, that's yeah. that's quite that could do damage to anyone yeah 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 I totally agree but then the, the problem is that you know we're anchored with it's just the rest of the team that's <laughs> yeah. dispiriting. I mean, also, I'm England, who who sort of historically have been so well stocked at centre back, and and at the minute, I can't I can't pick anyone. I don't know who's going to play at centre back. Mm. If you play a three, you can play Stones, but you wouldn't trust him to be in a two and be half your defence. Smalling, great instincts, but don't trust him with the ball near him. Well, he's not. I mean, the, the Southgate sort of basically yeah, said I mean, that he, he's he, done. You know, he, he's probably not going to be picked under. On the Southgate, so it? so so who who do you play at centre back? Uh, uh, where we've been so good in in recent years, but that do you know what? That's why I do quite You're enjoy loving it, No, 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 Tarkowski. I like seeing players like that. Mm. That well, no one's expecting anything. And also, you know when you used to watch England play and you like go and watch Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes do something. Do, do what you do for your clubs. Do it. and there was just ridiculous pressure on them to do what they do. Like their godlike status at their clubs, uh, which was justified, but they, you know, to do that on a weekly to basis, to translate it, to, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's unfair. There's no expectation on these guys, but we've said this before as well with England, same Scotland. But I, I just admire the, you know, the, if they go about it in the right way, if they go, you know, with the right energy. And you're right, like Lingard. I mean, the amount of times you've seen players. What was that? I think was it Barros was the strike of a Czech Republic and he was like at Portsmouth he just couldn't hit a barn door and he'd take yeah. like 10 shots to score a goal went to the Euros top scorer you know get six unbelievable but that sort of stuff happens you know it just doesn't happen to England and, and I've not seen it happen to England for a long time you know it'll be a German kid that we've never heard about yeah. who'll be top scorer and they'll win but there's a, there's that slim glimmer of chance instead of going there and going we've got we're strong enough you look at that squad and you go we're not strong enough but this so. is what kills me is is that that's that sliver of hope where you go we're not gonna do it Stress but Scotland, as, it, as it gets closer and closer to the tournament you go actually you know what Lingard's playing well and Kane scored 50 goals you know don't, stop doing this to me England this is devastating this is all sort of part of the reason why obviously Scott McTominay's is he, is he in the squad the, the uh, latest squad yeah he is yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I don't understand why uh, that wouldn't have been a decision really <laughs> to, for me. Why wouldn't you choose Scotland? Because <laughs> yeah, because this it's just this this thing that the England team is so dispiriting. You would rather I, I pers- well personally, I would rather have a a chance of you know getting to a tournament like Wales did in the Euros and it be the greatest summer of everyone's life rather than qualifying every time and it just being a dispiriting trudge to the first knockout stage. Him maybe getting in a World Cup squad and having a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, also, the McTominay thing struck me as being similar to the Grealish thing where he's had a few good games and yeah, he might be be something but the, the, the idea of Grealish playing for England now is... I mean, he's playing well in the Championship. It feels a long way away still. And I just feel like McTominay can go and get guaranteed 30 caps for Scotland, play in a couple of tournaments. England, he might he might have got in a squad, but he might never have got on the pitch for England. So, yeah, why wouldn't you pick Scotland? Well, Plus, he's got a muck in his name. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's, it's that period of time where you, if we're down the dumps about international football, it's, it's not really... We've got a World Cup to look forward to. Well, hopefully, we've got a World Cup to look forward to <laughs> yeah. for the domestic teams. Let's let's talk about yourselves, gentlemen. What uh, what have you been up to? Uh, um, Nick, I saw a great piece you wrote on uh, Charlton uh, and uh, for, was it London Football? For football London, yeah. Football London. I always get that wrong. Right? Uh, that doesn't matter. Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, it's such a sort of depressing state of affairs, really. I mean, I haven't actually checked before we came in, but um, Carl Robinson has, had apparently tried to resign uh, last week because um, for the for, for people who haven't been following it, the uh, the owner Roland de Chatelet, obviously very very unpopular. It looked like he was selling up for the for from kind of around September, October time, it had been trailed that they were in talks with various investors and people who wanted to take over. In January, at some point, um, there, it was said that there were two parties interested. Um, and the, 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 slightly unfortunately, I think a couple of things were were, were sort of jumped upon where the um, the guy, Richard Murray, who is, I think is the, the, the honorary chairman, I think, yeah. um, said, you know, it's just a case of you know, it's gone to the lawyers and they're looking at it. So people interpreted that as a, as a takeover. It was very close. Now Robinson came out and said the, the, uh, the other week that he's now been told that they have no idea when it, when anything will go through if it goes through. And it's just like this kind of the, the, the bit of hope has been just been completely yanked from under them. They haven't. They're an enormously unpopular chief executive left uh, in December. She hasn't been replaced. Um, so it, it's just this kind of shell of a club now, and it, the, the, uh, as, as I wrote in the piece, the, the really frustrating thing is it could be a phenomenal. Club. Oh, absolutely! It could. They're, they're one of the best clubs that I know of for work in the community. If you go back to the sort of eighties and nineties, their fans formed uh, their own political party to try and get them back to the valley. Yeah, and right, you know, up until today, they've got they've got a team uh, affiliated. Um, a, a LGBT friendly team yeah, yeah. that has just won their league, uh, first professional club to to have an affiliation of that kind of thing, and it, it, they could be so good, yes. but at the moment it's just such a dispiriting mess. It's sad, isn't it? I, I'm going there this weekend to watch Argyle because you know I just follow in Plymouth. Um, 
it's, you go there and you get it is just this kind of ghost town where it's, it, you can tell how great it used to be and yeah. how wonderful those games were in the nineties and just what a brilliant club, a brilliantly run club, you know, like much like your own, like your uh, Norton Forest yeah. or uh, you know Sheffield Wednesday or, or teams that you know had that gravitas back then, but just always had a kind of a Derby County, sorry Mark, um, that that had that that air about them you know and it's sad to see it happen because East London at the best of times when you're going out there to watch a game it's you can see why it, you know it's it's tough living out that way so you, people that need a club a football club like that it is such an important part of the community yeah and it's it's just a sense of apathy as well the, the there was a um like I forget who they played at the weekend but the official attendance was you know 11,000 or whatever it was but it was a very kind of Arsenal attendance mm. announcement there was no there's no way there was that many yeah. paid people in there and it just looked like a sort of fairly desolate place well I hope I hope things can change for them I, you know it's, it, it's it's a familiar story isn't it in the lower reaches at the minute for many clubs like that but um Mark, uh, have you been uh, sorry a derby doing a derby at the minute like, I don't want to dwell oh, on that mate. but mate Mate. We've had February, haven't we? February What's every year it happens. Well, I said last time I was here, it's it's um, a mixture of things. It's in our DNA and I think the new players buy into that as well. I think it's a very hard cycle to break out of. Plus, underinvestment in January and bad recruitment and letting too many forwards go and letting four forwards go and bring it in two. And the maths don't work at all. Especially when one of those forwards is a 21-year-old from Huddersfield. I mean, it's, you can't rely on him to do much. He's a good player, <laughs> yes. but you can't expect him to, to drag us up to the Premier League. Yes. Um, at the start of the season, I thought we would do well to finish top eight. And I think we still probably will do that. But it's the way it's happened. To, to, to go from second to this is... And then to take that into the playoffs. It's always the... Yeah, no one's you're scared the guy of us that, in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's uh, a what, tough what's situation. What's me as well is Gary Rowett, I really like. I'm a huge fan of his. Absolutely. I think upper management has hamstrung him a little bit. Um, the worry is that we get to the first few months of next season and if we're not in the top two or three, he might go. Yeah. And whoever gets him is getting a great manager. I don't think that will go. Uh, if he didn't go to Stoke, you don't know our, our chairman. Uh, maybe yeah, but Rowett's a good. He's a he's a local guy, and people love him. I mean, you know, they'd rather keep him than the chairman, probably. Nick, uh, just last word on on Forrest Karanka. But how did you feel about him? Because obviously that might be a kind of uh, perhaps not a, a, on first glance a, someone that you would want as manager, but he knows how to get the championship. Yeah, I. I wasn't convinced when he was appointed and the, the sort of first few games he uh, didn't he, he kind of left out a couple of the young players um, Joe Worrell in particular is young centre-back that, that Forrest have had um, that hasn't been playing um, and before Karanka came in those young players were sort of the one thing that you could get excited about with Forrest but that said we are, look a lot more solid than we were you know, before he came in, we've kept, sort of, I think, four clean sheets in a row now, which is completely unheard of. Uh, and you know, I think we 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 should should have been beaten by Derby uh, a few weeks ago, but we were you know quite stubborn and hard to beat, which is an an unusual feeling mm. at Forest. I'm still still not sort of entirely sold, but uh, it certainly seems to be looking slightly better. Green well, shoots, green well, shoots, yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, well, listen, thanks very much for coming on. Nick Miller and Mark Smith, thanks for your time today. That was The Whistleblowers.
This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.